All right, good morning. Um, again, my name's Brennan. So I'm just going to jump right in. Here's the story. And uh, my dad's going to be ashamed of me in a couple minutes because this story has to do with directions. Uh, he's really good at directions. I'm not. Like, I, I just don't pay attention to where I'm going. I always forget where I'm going. So I just use Google Maps. That's easier. My dad's really good, and so, like, he always remembers where things are. So if I ask for an address for something, he starts telling me how to get there. And that's not what I asked for. So I kind of just zone out. I'm like, oh, OK, because I don't pay attention, because I know I'm just going to forget and get lost. And I just wait till he's done talking so I can ask again, great, thanks. Uh, what's the address again? And then I use Google like a, you know, a, a normal person. Um, so that's just the background of my story. Here's what happened. About a year ago, me and some friends, uh, you may know Natanya, who attends church here, and it was a couple of our coworkers. We work at Boston Pizza together. Um, we went to Calgary Zoo for a day. So I drove. Um, it was a good day. Saw a lion roar. Uh, the wolves were right at the glass, and I really like wolves for some reason, so it was, it was good. Uh, but we had a big problem, and that was that I was hungry. So it was Monday during the day, so none of the restaurants or shops were open yet. So for like two hours of the zoo, I'm like, guys, I need food. I'm hungry. Uh, we finally leave the zoo, and we're like, okay, let's go to Original Joe's. That's a good restaurant. So there's one downtown Calgary. Um, so we drive there. It's not too far. I don't know if you've driven downtown Calgary. I think it was my second time. I just, I did not like it. Like, it was, it was stressful. I don't know why, but we're, like, heading down the street, and Google Maps is telling me to turn left. But all these street signs are like, no, you can't turn left here. Can't turn left here. It's just a mess. And so I was mad because we see, we passed the OJs. We'll call it OJs because that's easier. Passed the original Joes, OJs. See it down the street. And I just can't turn left, I can't get there, so I'm flustered, I'm hungry, I pull over, and I say, okay, we're going to a different one. I just, I give up completely on downtown Calgary. Um, and I pull up Google Maps, I say, okay, I, we're going to this OJ's. And my friend Dylan is like, sure, but as long as it's on the way home. And then I say the words, yeah, itself. I don't know if you know basic geography, that's not right at all, it's, it's very the opposite. Um, but anyway, I say, yeah, itself, in a car with three other people, and no one corrects me. No one says anything. I don't know if I just, like, exude knowledge and self-confidence, and people follow me blindly. Like, I hope that's not true, because that's pretty scary. Um, but that's what happened. So I drive 20 minutes south, not the way home. We get to different OJs we eat. Uh, we get back in the car, and then I punch in Google, and, or I punch in Beaumont into Google Maps, and obviously, it takes me the other way. At this point, I'm still confused, and yeah, just for some reason, the city just switched in my head. I blame hunger and downtown Calgary. Um, so I start heading north, and then I'm just really confused, and I say the words, why is it taking me north? We just came south. And then finally, uh, Natanya from the back, just timidly, um, because Edmonton is, uh, is north, of, north of Calgary. <laughs> Whoa! Um, so I just have a second of like, stunned at how dumb I was, because I knew that, but I just switched them up, and I just like burst out laughing. I, I couldn't stop. I was just like, wow, I'm, I'm dumb, but yeah, I thought it was really funny. Um, I kind of felt bad, because at this point, we're driving back through Calgary during rush hour, so I had like an extra hour to our driving. Um, I started telling them that it was just a prank the whole time, but they didn't buy that. And so that's the story. We'll come back to it later. This story came to mind because I was reading a book on humility to prepare for this sermon, um, and the author said that one way to stay humble is to learn to laugh at yourself. And so this story came to mind. And I'm not telling this story um, to be like, oh, look how humble I am, because I know that's not the case. Like, I know 
I struggle with pride. And when it's something, like I said before, I don't really, I'm not good at directions, I know that, I don't really care. But when it's something I care about, like let's say leading worship, and I make a mistake, I just hate it. And I can't, like I'm still learning to laugh at myself and, and get over those things. And it's really hard. And I know I'm, pride, I'm prideful in like my self-righteousness and all this other stuff. And I'm prideful in ways that I'm still trying to figure out and still trying to battle. And so I'm, just know that through the sermon, I'm preaching to myself too. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to preach this topic is because I was hoping that through this sermon, it could move me closer to humility. And I hope that we can all do that today. So the series is on Proverbs, so let's jump into that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Proverbs is a book written in the Old Testament. The Old Testament's the, the first part of the Bible that goes from the creation story up until the time of Jesus. So Proverbs is just written by a bunch of wise people in the Old Testament, and it's just little sayings to help you live a wise life. Um, and if you, better, if you want to understand this book of Proverbs better, I really highly recommend checking out the Bible Project on YouTube. They're just an amazing free resource that helps you understand different parts of the Bible and how to read the Bible. And uh, yeah, they're just a great resource, check them out, the Bible Project, because the Bible is confusing and can be daunting to read and to take on, so just take advantage of, the, of uh, that resource. Anyway, let's read, of what, let's read some of what Proverbs says about pride. So Proverbs 12.1, here's the first one we're going to go to. Whoever loves discipline, or whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. That's a little harsh, but it's very true. So imagine if I'm in somewhere like, uh, let's say, Calgary, heading, you know, the wrong way, let's just say for fun, self. Some, you know, something, something that maybe people do sometimes. Um, and instead of using Google Maps, I trust my own knowledge, and I head south, and I just keep going, and then hopefully, sometimes, someone would say, hey, Brennan, uh, you're going the wrong way. But what happens if my, if my pride gets the best of me? Maybe I'm embarrassed. Maybe I'm convinced I'm right. Maybe I just hate people telling me what to do. So I keep going. Here's the thing. Whoever hates correction is stupid. The longer I drive, the dumber I am. I drive another three hours to the U.S. border. I don't have my passport because I didn't plan to be at the States today. And then I'm turned around and it's another six hours home. You could say that I'm pretty stupid. I ignored correction. I wouldn't listen to people. And this is a, this is a, that's a dumb example, really, but isn't it a little too true? Can't you think of a time when you or someone you know, probably not your spouse because they're perfect, that's why you married them, did something like this? They ignored correction, ignored what other people are saying, and they just kept going their own way, following what they thought was best, and then ends in disaster. And they have to either eventually swallow their pride or they get to a point where it's too late. And they have to, they're forced to turn around. The thing is that pride makes you stupid because it says, I know. And the thing is, you don't know. No one knows everything. No one has it all together, and that's fine. Like, that's the way we're made. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together. It's okay to listen to other people. It actually makes you wiser. If you hate correction, you're stupid. That's just what the Bible says. Sorry. Now, here's where pride goes from just, um, like, making you dumb to actually causing, like, serious issues, because in Proverbs 16.5, it says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. And Proverbs 8.13 says, I hate pride and arrogance. 
And if we jump to the New Testament in 1 Peter 5.5, we still see the same message. It says, God opposes the proud. There isn't another sin that's talked about like pride is in the Bible. Um, God actually opposes the proud. The Bible says if you're prideful, God's against you. And that sounds weird and it's jarring because we know that God is love. But God hates pride. So why does God hate pride? Why does he oppose the proud? Here's some reasons that I found, and I think to be some of the main reasons, is that because when you are prideful, you actually oppose God. I was reading that book on humility called Humility, True Greatness by C.J. Mahani, or Mahaney, I don't know. Um, and he says, Pride is when sinful human beings aspire to the status and position of God and refuse to acknowledge their dependence upon him. See, because we want to decide how to live our lives, don't we? We want to decide what's right, what's wrong, and we don't want to listen to God. We try to build ourselves up because we want to be known, we want honor, we want power, we want glory, and when we want those things, we don't want to give any of it to God. So we oppose God. Another reason why God hates pride is because pride destroys people. See, God created you, and he cares for you, and he loves you more than you can comprehend. He doesn't want to see your life in ruins. But pride does that to people. Proverbs 16, 18 said, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Haughty is a word we don't use much. It just means arrogant. An arrogant spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. And that's been the case since the first sin, and it's continued on through human history. Like we see examples of over and over in the Old Testament of people turning from God, and, and they're filled with pride, so they do it their own way, and it just fails, and they ruin their lives, and they ruin like lives of others, and they ruin what God is doing with God's people. And we see stories like this today, and like one thing that comes to mind is like the mega church pastor who seems to have it all together, who's successful and preaches to thousands of people every week, has a big church, and then eventually you see on the news that there's some moral failure or there's a scandal, and it just wrecks the church. And it's heartbreaking for the people who looked up to those leaders because they started following what they wanted to do instead of following what God wants them to do. Pride goes before destruction. And that's not just for celebrities or pastors or um, people in the spotlight. That's for everyone. That's for all of us. Um, pride is not just a Christian issue, but it's a life issue. There's this book that I've listened to twice this past year, and I, yeah, listened to, I hate reading, so I have audiobooks. Um, it's called The Art of Better, or no, it's called The Lost Art of Listening by Michael P. Nichols. And I highly recommend it. It's written by a therapist. It's really helpful and interesting, and it can help you listen better, which I suck at, and so I've listened to it twice, and hopefully I'm a little better. I don't know. Um, but to hear all the obstacles of good listening that he breaks down, not from a Christian perspective, it's just like so obvious to me that we're naturally sinful, and that pride is just embedded in who we are. It's embedded in our culture. It's just such a part of us that we don't even know how to listen to people anymore because we're so involved in ourselves. And it's ruining people, and it's breaking apart relationships. Proverbs 13.10 says, Where there is strife, or where there is conflict, where there is strife, there is pride. Because pride says that I'm the most important person. Pride puts me first. 
And you can't truly love someone when you love yourself more. For us, for Christians, our most important relationship is with Jesus and then with people. But even if you don't know Jesus today, you still have relationships with people that you love and care about and you don't want to see those fall apart. Because these relationships can bring so much joy to our lives, but also, if they break apart, they can bring so much pain. And maybe you know the pain of a broken relationship. And maybe these relationships are complicated and they break down for many reasons, but I think it just comes down to pride. Because pride says that I'm the most important person. And pride fills your head with other people's mistakes and doesn't let you forgive them no matter how messed up you are. Pride destroys people. And God doesn't want to see your life in ruins because he loves you. The next reason, and maybe the main reason why God hates pride so much, is because it stops people from knowing him. See, when you are prideful, you're never going to come to Jesus, because to come to Jesus, you have to say, I'm broken, I'm a sinner, I can't do this on my own, Jesus, I need you. And if you're prideful, you say, I'm fine, I'm perfect, I don't need anyone, I don't need anything. So you'll never know the love of Jesus. And that breaks God's heart. You'll never know his love and forgiveness. And even if you are a Christian, your pride still stops you from coming to Jesus. It distances you. I know it does for me. It's like pride's the reason that our first reaction, you know, when something goes wrong, isn't to pray, but it's to worry or to try to fix it ourselves instead of going to God, who's a lot better than I am, a lot more powerful, but I still take things on myself. And I know my pride stops me from reading the Bible because maybe I just think, ah, oh, I just deserve time to relax tonight. Or maybe I think I can, I can get through life fine without really being devoted to God every day. And maybe for you, sometimes you don't read your Bible because it's just not a priority. And your life is just full of stuff and activities and work, and we pack it full with other things, and then we have no room for what should be the most important relationship in our lives. Psalm 10:4 says, in, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. There's no room for, for God when your heart is consumed by pride. God hates pride. But here's the thing, if you're anything like me, you're still sitting in your seat and be like, well, glad I'm not prideful. Sermon's gonna suck for that guy over there. You know? <laughs> like, so which leads me to my next point. Clearly, clearly we're all prideful. We're all prideful. Because pride manifests itself in so many ways. It's not just the conceited person or the person that's like the Mr. Know-it-all, or the person that will never say sorry or admit they're wrong. Pride's in all of us because we're all sinful. Pride is in every sin that we commit. Sin is disobeying God. And we, why do we disobey God? Because we don't trust that his ways are best. Because we don't trust that what he says is best for us. Instead, we want to do it our way, and we want to live our lives the way we want. Pride's tricky, and like it hides in all of us. It's in our self-righteousness. It's in our gossip. When we make ourselves feel better by looking at other people's mistakes. 
know, it's like everyone else is messed up, but not you, not me, we're good. And unfortunately, Christians are known for this. And I just, it's so sad that Christianity has this hypocrisy title attached to it. Because that's so opposite of what we should be. Like, I know that, I know that doesn't represent every Christian, and I hope that doesn't represent me, but I just don't want that to be our church. Not a church of hypocrites, because it's so, not a church of prideful people, because it's so opposite of what Jesus is like. It's so opposite of what we should be like. Here's what we should be like. This is from Philippians 2. It's an incredible passage. So the Apostle Paul wrote this, and he wrote much of the New Testament. He was devoted to helping churches live out a Jesus-based life. And here he's writing to church in Philippi. And at this point, he's pretty much saying, like, if you know Jesus, then do this. He's saying, if you know Jesus, if he means anything to you, then do this. He says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It's my favorite part. Same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I love that verse. And we know the story doesn't end there. Uh, Jesus didn't just die, but he was raised to life, and he gave us new life and hope in him. But this is the example we are following. This is what we should be striving for. To be more like Jesus is to grow in humility, because pride is so destructive. But humility brings life to people. It's humble people who are truly loving, and they're patient, and they're forgiving. Humility is what we need to share the love and story of Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, like, I don't want to be prideful, but how do I actually change? There was an interview with uh, Carl Henry. Carl Henry was uh, a theologian of the last century, one of the great theologians, and theology is just the study of uh, the Bible and God, so he was an expert in that. Um, and he was very influential and successful, and closer to the end of his life, an interviewer asked him how he stayed humble throughout all, of his, all his success. And his answer was this. It was simply, how can anyone be arrogant when he stands next to the cross? See, the more we understand what Jesus did for us, the more humble we become. Because how can you be arrogant when you're focused on the cross? The Bible says that no one can boast because you did nothing to deserve your salvation. You did nothing to earn it. Actually, you did everything to disqualify you from salvation. But Jesus took on your sin, he took on my sin anyway, and died for us because he loves you. When you know and have a relationship with the God of the universe that came down to die for you, that should humble you. How can anyone be arrogant 
when he stands next to the cross. And here's the bottom line if you want to be humble. If you can be humble before Jesus, you can be humble before people. I want us to remember this. If you can be humble before Jesus, you can be humble before people. If you're struggling with pride, you need to look at your life and ask, am I being humble before Jesus? Am I standing next to the cross? Learn to be humble before Jesus. Reflect on the cross. Realize what he's done for you. Because if you can be humble before Jesus, you can be humble before people. And being humble before Jesus means knowing him and knowing his word. So in my story of driving in Calgary, if I would have been like really good at directions and I've been studying the maps and I would have known Calgary like the back of my hand, like, I don't think I would have gotten turned around. <laughs> really, I think I would have been like, oh yeah, no, I know where to go. And that's true for our lives because God's given us the Bible. He's given us a way to understand the world around us and to go through the world without getting lost. But we ignore the map and we trust what we think. But God's saying, no. Come back to the map. Come back to his word. Memorize it. Know it. Continually come back and humble yourself and follow what it says and you won't get turned around. Because if you go through life with a shallow understanding of what it means to be a Christian, at the first sight of something going wrong, you're going to be turned around and you're going to be heading the wrong way. With my shallow understanding of directions, at the first sight of hunger and downtown Calgary, I was going the wrong way. But you can learn from the word of God. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You can be humble before Jesus and you can be humble before people. And once you're humble before Jesus, you need to choose to be humble before people. Because Proverbs 9, 8 says, Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you, but rebuke the wise and they'll love you. So the verse we read earlier, people who hate correction are stupid. This one's saying, if you're wise, you love correction. So we need to seek that out. Because we all have our blind spots, we all have our faults, but God made us to live in community so that we can support each other, so that we can learn from one another. Like I said before, actually, no, I didn't say this before, sorry. Um, the people in my car were still sort of like newer friends, we were coworkers. I knew Natania pretty well from church and Boston Pizza, but it was the first time hanging out with these other two guys outside of work. So maybe they just didn't want to correct me uh, because they were scared to offend me or hurt my feelings. Um, but I'm sure if it would have been a car full of, full of like, my best friends, they would have just been like, hey, Brennan, Edmonton's north, you dum-dumb. And that would have been the end of it. I'd be like, oh, yep, you're right. But we need people in our lives to tell us the truth. Now, hopefully they do it lovingly and not just like scream at you. And hopefully they do it like Jesus would, and they're humble, and they care for you. But even if it comes across bad, we can always still be humble and listen to them and learn from them. You need to seek out this correction. And if no one in your life is going to do that for you, or even if you have people that will do that for you, join a small group here. Find that community here of people who will love and support you and help you through this life. Because we're not meant to do it alone. And also, I don't know if you've ever done it, but it's scary to offer correction to someone when they didn't ask because you don't know how they will react. So be the person who asks. 
Ask your spouse. Ask your friends. If you want to be humble, ask your kids, hey, what can I do to be better? What can I do to be more like Christ? Help me learn. And our first response when people say something is usually to, to argue and want to defend ourselves, but don't. Just, just be humble. Just listen. We don't just listen enough. If you can be humble before Jesus, you can be humble before people. And I, I want to end with a story. Um, I love looking at the story of the prodigal son when I think about the humility of Jesus. So the prodigal son story is a parable that Jesus told in Luke 15, 11, 30, 11 to 32. He told it to demonstrate his love for the lost people. And the story goes like this. Um, there's a father with two sons, and the younger son goes to the father and demands his inheritance. Pretty much saying, I want your money. I wish you were dead. Give me your inheritance now so that I don't have to wait till you die. Very nice of him. Um, the father gives him the money anyway, and the son goes off to, the Bible says, a faraway land, and he squanders his wealth in wild living. All his inheritance. He disrespected his father by just saying, I just want your money, and then he squandered it in wild living. And then there's a famine, and he's starving, and he says, I'll just go back to my father, and maybe he'll take me back as a servant if I just admit I'm wrong and ask for forgiveness. The, the son knew I'm not good enough to be called a son anymore. Maybe he'll take me back as a servant. And then it's unexpected what happens next. He's coming back, and the father sees him in the distance. The father sees him off in the distance, and then he runs to him. He throws his arms around him. He kisses him. He throws a huge party, and he welcomes his son home. Not as a servant, still as a son. And there's more to the story um, with the older brother, but we're just going to stop here because what I love about this story is two things. I love that the father was waiting. His father saw his son off into the distance because he was waiting, hoping that his son would come home, not giving up hope, not losing any love for the son that he had. He was waiting, and then he ran. And in Jesus' day, men, they, didn't, they did not run. It was shameful. It was considered indecent. Men of honor would never run. So this father abandoned all pride, all honor to run to his son, completely humbled. And this is the love that Jesus has for us. See, we're the son that did everything possible not to deserve the love of the father. And Jesus is the father that is completely humbled, running out, running out to us to welcome to welcome us home. I was, I was on a plane ride home from my vacation this summer, and I was, I was reading this book on humility, and so Jesus' humility and my pride were just sort of swirling around in my head, and I just wanted to spend a little bit of time in worship, so I put in my headphones, I picked one of my favorite worship bands. Um, they're called The Voyage. I'm not plugging them here just because they're from Edmonton, and I'm friends with some of the people who worked on it, but I'm telling you, go listen to this album because it's, it's actually amazing. It's my favorite worship album. It's just honest, and it's real, and it's helped me in my walk with God. So I hope it does for you too. They're called The Voyage. Go listen to them. Anyway, I put on this song. It's called How Could You Stay? And it's about the prodigal son story. Uh, the chorus just asks, how could you stay? It's just asking, how could you wait for me? Jesus, I didn't deserve that. 
How is, your, how is your love so great that you would wait for me to return after all I've done to hurt you? And then the bridge builds, and it just repeats these words. It says, you come running, you come running out to me. There's nothing, there's nothing in between. And I was sitting in the, in my, in the plane, listening to this song, and as I was just thinking about the humility of Jesus and that bridge of, and just picturing this father running out to his son, I just, I honestly, I just began to cry in the middle of my plane ride. Um, I was just hit by the beautiful picture of this father abandoning all stature, all pride, all respect, and just running after a son that completely abandoned him. Because I know that I'm that son. Like, I know I'm prideful, and I'm sinful, and I'm messed up, and I don't deserve the love of Jesus. And as I pictured this father running to his son, I couldn't stop thinking these questions. I couldn't stop thinking, what kind of God would do that for me? And I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking, what kind of God does that? And why would he do that for me? And I was completely humbled by what Jesus did on the cross. So if you want to be humble, stand next to the cross. Please, please pray with me. Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the cross. Jesus, we thank you that no matter how sinful and broken we are, God, you welcome us back and you come running out to us. Your love never fails. God, it never lessens no matter how, how messed up we are. Jesus, help us to learn from your humility. Jesus, help us to learn from you so that we can be loving servants of you. God, I pray that this would not be a church of people that have it all together, but this would be a church for the broken and the lost and the hurting. And in this moment, we just ask your forgiveness for all our pride. And we just ask that you show us the way to be loving and humble servants. Amen.